This is the EP Growth Podcast from Hunter Rehabilitation and Health. We're here to grow the exercise physiology profession through supporting the professional and personal growth of young EPs in the industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the EP Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, joined today again by Mark and Josh. We're going to have another chat through a, a bit more of a case study like we've done before, spend a little bit more time unpacking uh, a topic for those of you out there listening along. Um, but without any further ado, Josh, what are we covering today, mate? Chris, we're looking at a little bit of knee osteoarthritis. We've got a little bit of a case study here on a guy called Bill. Uh, all we know is that he's a male and he's 65 years old for Medicare referral. Bill, was that his name, Mark? Is it Bill? Oh, I'm pretty sure it's Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we're mates, man, Bill, so it's Bill. <laughs> it's it's definitely Bill. little inside joke there. Mark Spencer's played at Straighty 180. Um, all right, so yeah, Bill, what, 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 what do we say? Obviously, male, age 65. Is that right? Yep. Yep, beautiful. So um, Bill's coming in to see us for his initial consults. Uh, all we know is he's got uh, knee osteoarthritis being referred from his GP um, and we've got to conduct our initial consult. So I guess, Mark, you can be the skipper today, kick us off. Where do you want to start with this guy? Yeah, I'm straight to straight to asking how we can help today. That's usually my opening, opening question. Um, trying to, I guess, definitely limited with the information you get from the referral. Um, so I'm trying to get from, I guess, the horse's mouth, as you say to say, um, of what is going on. So trying to get him to um, explain in his words and um, the arthritis, uh, how it's affecting him, how it's come to be. Um, but yeah, trying to get him to, I guess, um, explain as much as possible. Yeah, I think um, for those of you who haven't listened to the last case study we did, we really went through how you should maneuver through that initial consult and what questions to ask to sort of set up these kinds of things, which is sort of where you've started there, Mark, but um, which is absolutely what I would start with. You don't want to be sort of start shooting off different ideas and whatnot. And, and the clients actually got their own reasons for coming. That might be a little bit different to the referral. So if you haven't listened to that last uh, podcast, definitely go back and, and have a listen. But um, what about you, Josh, sort of, where do you like to start once we've got got through the, you know, how can I help you today? And, and they have confirmed that it's going to be knee osteoarthritis. That's their main concern. Yeah. The next thing you want to look at is probably how the arthritis is affecting their day-to-day movements, whether it's, it's function wise or whether it's pain wise, they're not just going to come to you because they've got arthritis. There's a reason behind uh, why they're coming to see you. Um, so I want to find out, you know, is it school? Sorry, not school, obviously Bill 65. Is it work that Bill's struggling with? Is it something at home that Bill's struggling with? Uh, and leisure activities? What exactly does he want to get back to? What's he What's he keen to do again? Yeah, cool. So you're already kind of looking at how can we set some goals for this guy? Like what are we going to target for, for Bill through, throughout the course of his treatment? I suppose, um, you know, what are we, like when, you're, when you've got this client sitting in front of you, what are the considerations, I guess? So, um you know, things that you want to know about this guy that, that might affect why he's come to have osteoarthritis or, or what we can do about it moving forward. So I guess one of the, as an example, something that I would look at first of all is um, perhaps their weight. Is this person overweight? Is that something that you guys would consider? Yeah, I'd definitely be looking at that. I'd say it has some sort of impact on how he has come to um, get osteoarthritis 
to begin with. Um, yeah, if you overweight, that's obviously going to impact on pain levels, function, um, and I'm guessing his personal goals as well. So, yeah, I'd be definitely considering his um, weight. Yeah, 100%. There's some sort of stat. I can't remember what it is, but it's like the amount of every four kilos or something puts so much extra pressure through your through your knees. So if he's already overweight, there's that additional pressure going through his knees. If we can help him out with the weight, just need to educate him that that can help him out with the knee dysfunction too or the knee pain that's going on. That's an interesting one, uh, Josh. I've heard a, a similar one, but my the one I had was in pounds maybe because I'm heaps older than you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Old school What's units pounds? of measurement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it was, yeah, it was something like um, being 10 pounds overweight can put an extra 15 to 50, which I don't know how accurate that is. Like it's a huge, um, huge range, right? Like 15 to 50 pounds. But um, yeah, 10 pounds can put an extra 15 to 50 pounds of load through the knees. So like that's pretty significant. So I think it's 2.2 pounds to a kilo for those of you playing along at home. Quick math. But um, yeah, like it's significant, right? But um I think beyond that as well, like it gives you an, um, a lot of other things to, to factor in as well. So you're going to be able to see this pretty quick straight away. Like if someone comes in and they're morbidly obese, like it's going to affect simply how they are able to move. So perhaps this person um, is, yeah, just not able to move optimally. And because of that, they've got uh, less efficient movement patterns, which is contributing to a wearing away of the cartilage in their knees. So if you can decrease their body weight, along with the, all the other sort of chemical benefits that come with that, they're just going to move more efficiently. So perhaps that's a consideration. Yeah, 100%. It's hard to get someone moving who can't essentially walk. A lot of activities mm. require some sort of standing or some sort of walking to really try and lose weight. Mm. So that's another challenge that you probably have to overcome when suppose, someone like walks in. Yeah, I suppose that example is rare, right? Like people that come in that are, are that overweight, it's, you don't see that too often, but having a few chats with specialists around town, they've definitely said like one of the key things that they want to see from their clients with arthritis is weight loss. So um, it would be probably uh, if you're working in a team care arrangement, it's probably something that a specialist that's working with this client will want to see from you as well. So certainly something that I would factor in. Um, I guess a little bit of a question for you boys off can go off topic and down the rabbit hole with this one, but um, do it baby. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what are you going for first? If someone comes in with, overweight are you addressing the knee pain first or are you going for let's lose 5 10 15 kilos and then that will allow us to do more for your knee oh pump the brakes mate you're just so quick to get into it i don't know yet um i think i would probably be still going through the process like working out what is going on for this person like where are they at just trying to consider all of the information for the person at the moment and then uh I think I'd be trying to address the thing that's the most relevant. So if this person, like the example we just said, was like extremely overweight, I'd be probably looking at the lifestyle factors that have contributed to that in a way that doesn't cause them more knee pain. So that's probably how I would start if that was the predominant thing was like they're overweight. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I'm, I'm going more towards um, trying to focus more on the knee pain, whether the exercises are targeted at knee pain or more their weight so i figured we, we just educate them on knee pain and how we can help them out with their knee pain and then the weight loss will sort of just come along with the ride and then once we've sort of reduced the knee pain we can focus more on losing weight um they'll both sort of go hand in hand as you as you treat anyone um but yeah i want their focus to be solely on the, the pain side of things because that's probably more than likely why they've come in if they didn't have the knee pain they probably wouldn't have come in to 
help out with their weight loss. Yeah, rock solid points. Rock solid. Can't argue with that. Um, and I guess it's important to, to think about it like that, isn't it? Like, you know, we can we can simply let's try to address this sort of straight straight 180, which is kind of what I did just then, right? Like, well, let's get the weight loss off and that's ultimately going to help the knee pain. But the person's in front of you is like, I'm in agony now. Like, can we please do something there so I can think about the weight loss? It's, you know, you could say, well, either way you go there is is not wrong, but there's certainly a way there that's going to get more compliance from the client. And that's probably addressing the knee pain first. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I guess I pose the question. That's probably something I'd be thinking about it at this stage if we're if we're talking about weight and, and earlier on in the consult and trying to figure out lifestyle lifestyle factors and um, physical history and everything. I'm um, yeah, starting to sort of figure out okay, what's the biggest what's the biggest concern here? And um, I'd probably agree with Joshy there. I'm probably heading towards a knee pain first myself, um, and then yeah, as that sort of eases off try and start incorporating more um, targeted exercise program, I guess, at the weight loss. Well, I guess like while we're, whilst we're in this rabbit hole of yours, Mark. <laughs> Keep digging. Yeah. Get the back <laughs> out. Um, like how are you, how are you going to target that specifically? Right. So if you've got someone that like, the, the client type we're talking about, they're, they're pretty morbidly obese, right. Um, how are you going to target that knee pain specifically? Yeah. So I'd be, um, again going on like depending on the assessments and stuff and and where the the main issue is um i'd be i guess compared to say if we're just doing weight loss only um the exercise program would be based purely around the knee and hip so i'd be doing predominantly lower body stuff uh, potentially mobility um definitely some strength work there but um i guess that's where i see with the pain um i'd also be looking at some definitely trying to look for some uh, like muscle release techniques as well. So a bit of stretching, a bit of foam rolling, that type of stuff to give them some symptom relief. Um, I guess compared to say weight loss where we're trying to burn calories. So we're using more gross movements and, and whole body type exercises. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, you're sort of, you're looking at it as far as you've done your testing, you've found there's some limitation in, in range of motion around, let's say quads, hemis, calves, you know, tissues yeah. acting on the knee. So you're going to provide a little bit of, um, let's call it release to those muscles and then try to actively move them through a range of motion. That's the approach first up. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's sweet. I suppose, would you then be like as an approach to try and cover, cover both sides of this, right? Because the weight loss is important, but then also says that immediate pain relief. So could you say let's within our sessions here be targeting the symptoms that you need with, with the means you've just explained there and then overlay that with some lifestyle education. So perhaps it's a bit with in regards to um, healthy eating or movement practices throughout their day or um, just other behaviors like that that may contribute to their overall weight. So with you, they've got, here's what I need you to do in terms of exercises and then here's homework for you to be considering in your own time. Or do you find that perhaps that at this stage is too much? It's, it's, I find, I do find it difficult. Depends on what stage they come to you with this. Like, if a doctor's and they've had specialists and just been told you're overweight, you got to lose weight, you got to lose weight. And then we say to them, Hey, you got to lose weight. There, mm. um, could have already been a stage where they're just, oh, I'm sick of hearing that. I just want to get my knee better. So I'm like, Okay, let's just focus on the knee. Um, however, I do would definitely try in some way trying to educate them around some sort of lifestyle factor, whether it's, 
you know, basic nutrition or um, like simply just moving more at home, getting out, um, even the, the psychological side of things as well. So um, it's definitely an option, um, I guess, however, very much depends on on the person themselves too. All right, let's let's keep going. Let's be difficult. Let's be devil devil's advocate. You difficult? Well, me. <laughs> Turn it up. But let's say you have got that client that is. Oh, I'm so sick and tired of people telling me I need to lose weight. She's not making a client sound lovely, aren't I? But <laughs> anyway, so there. That's sort of the attitude, right? Is I've had multiple different people tell me I need to lose some weight, and I'm sick of hearing that. I just want to sort my knee out. But you're sitting there full well knowing they need to lose some weight would you like would you comment on it like how what would you say like would you just delay it like what would be your approach i want to hear from uh joshy the running mvp i'm sure he's got some mr uh, mr mvp look yeah look i'm not just gonna throw it straight up like you need to lose weight it's probably more of a of a opportunity to educate them as to why they need to lose weight you know you losing weight means that you know xyz happens which means that xyz happens and therefore we reach your goals and you feel a little bit better about doing whatever it is they had problems with um not just yeah bluntly putting it that they need to lose weight explaining why it needs to happen or why it should happen mm. god he's good gorgeous <laughs> why is he mvp <laughs> gorgeous as well anyway <laughs> i think that's right though isn't it like we have to have that conversation with a little bit of tact don't we it's it's the soft skills and yeah. communication that leads into that. So you're not going to just go, boosh, like, here you go, have this. But finding out what's led them up to this point, like the in, in various other consults and finding out what their, you know, what their mental health is like, their sort of emotional health is like around that topic. So, um, you know, it's not uncommon for people uh, who happen to be overweight or, you know, obese in this case to have some um uh, mental barriers or psychological issues that come along with that, which might contribute to them being overweight. So you want to be um, delicate and uh, I guess considered with how you, you broach that topic. Uh, and I'll, and my, my position similar to you guys is I wouldn't avoid it, but I might not necessarily have the conversation day one either. So yeah. to what you were saying, Mark, like, well, let's, let's try to have a few little wins with this person. Let's try and, and let them see that we can do something about that immediate discomfort. But uh, that's also pop it in the management plan there that we're going to have a little bit of a chat about some little strategies, nothing, nothing uh, massive, but just little things that they can start to implement on the, uh, in addition to what we're going to do in session that will overall help them with their weight loss. So I think that's important, but uh, alrighty, let's say we're doing all that. Um, and the person suggests to you, no worries. I'm on board. I'm ready to get into my exercises. I've got this knee brace. What do you think? Should I wear it? Should I not? What do we, where do we stand on, on braces for this type of client? Um, yeah, I'm not against them for just day-to-day activities. However, definitely if we're doing their rehab or their exercises, um, yeah, I'm probably encouraging them not to have it on. Um, obviously, there's a lot of uh, psychological factor that goes into it as well. People feel like it gives them a lot of support. Um, so I'm definitely though encouraging them to try where they can not to use the brace because yeah sometimes it can cause different sort of uh compensation mechanisms further up further up the the chain or um i guess not sort of targeting um areas that we want so definitely not gonna say no to it but i guess just encouraging them that um 
exercises are designed to try and get you away from that reliance on the brace. Mm. Joshy, you're the footy player amongst us, mate. You'd be used to strapping up shoulders and knees and ankles for fun. What do you? Where do you stand on bracing supports? Yeah, probably same as Mark. Um, paying person to person, I think it's more of a psychological thing. I think you can prove to people that you know they've returned to their their function through like testing, strength testing, which can give them a bit more of a um, empowerment to sort of not rely on that too much. Um, yeah, I definitely know from experience. I remember my old man running around touch footy wearing a knee brace every week. It's nothing wrong with his knees. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of banter about that, mate. Did you let him know? Oh, of course. Especially now that I'm older. There's, uh... gives me... Gives me a bit of stick. I'm 27, still playing. I was like, I remember you at 27 wearing knee braces. I never wear them. <laughs> well, as uh, we shouldn't go too hard, mate. There's actually a, a, someone on this podcast that still rocks a knee brace. Um, <laughs> Don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on a serious note, Mark, like, tell us about your story with your knee, and then like you still use a knee brace. But like, tell us why. Back when I was 16, I ruptured my ACL. So uh, 12 years ago. Back at that stage, um, the research at that stage didn't allow or didn't recommend people who are still growing to have ACL reconstructions. Um, it's changed now and, and definitely people around that age get ACL reconstructions, but I didn't have one. Um, I just went through and did uh, my own rehab strengthening and to this day never had an ACL reconstruction. So, um, yeah, went through that, returned to playing footy probably 12 to 18 months later. Um, and then, yeah, I guess as a, what I thought at the time, probably more of a extra support for my knee because I didn't have that ACL. So I started wearing that and, and to this day still continue. Um, but I found that it's probably definitely more of like a psychological thing. Um, you know, when I have it on, it feels like it's, um, it is giving me extra support, so to say. And then, um, yeah, I, I guess I don't think about my knee or my injured knee as much. So, um, yeah, whether or not that actually provides a, <laughs> that support that um, they say they do, it's, I guess, up for debate. But, um, yeah, definitely more of a psychological thing. And they look good too, mate. Oh, I mean, definitely. I know, <laughs> I, know, bigger. I know when you turned up to touch footy wear and I felt so much more elusive and fast standing next to you <laughs> when you were wearing mate, that. I so. see. You, you, you limp onto the footy field and then you just burn past everyone. They're like, what's going on? Who's this bloke? <laughs> I can hold a clipboard these days. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. The other one uh, that gets thrown in a fair bit is the old corticosteroid injection. Love it. Hate it. What do you think? Uh, look, it's very, it's very person to person. You hear good things. You hear bad things like everything. Uh, I'm not going to say no. If people want to try it. Up yeah. to them. Mark. Yeah. Much the same. Um, it's definitely not going to solve the problem. It's definitely just masking the pain, but that masking might be enough to give you a window to um, get through a maybe a six, eight, 12 week strengthening program to work on the cause of the pain rather than um, just kind of masking it. So if that helps in that way, excellent, I'm more for it. But um, I think some people, yeah, unfortunately do just rely on it as a solution. And then when it wears off, they're just back to square one. Yeah, sometimes worse off. Yeah, as long as it's it's not like they they get the steroid injection and they just say oh, I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah, that's right. Yep, I've had that discussion with my mother-in-law actually. <laughs> different <laughs> different issue, but um, hers was a shoulder and decided to go the injection route. And 
discussed all the education and whatnot, but I think sometimes it's uh best that it's you, easy know, option. you don't see your family for, for work sometimes, but um, anyway, yeah. Cause they, when they do the, the steroid injection it usually comes with a, a little bit of local anesthetic in the area too. Right. So it helps with the, like the immediate pain in the, uh, the area that's being injected. But I think um, what's the, the current research suggesting is that one or two, yeah, like it can be okay. Can have that short-term effect that eventually wears off though. But if you keep trying to do it, can have um, negative effects at the cartilage. So it can make things worse if you were to continually do it. So um, it's similar to what you guys said. I think I was always mindful of who told you about the injection, right? So sometimes they've already seen a specialist and the specialist is like, yeah, we can do this and uh, it'll be helpful for you, but yeah, go and see an EP first. So if that's what the specialist has said, like you, you want to have a like a, a joint front with this where you, there's a, a common message to the person. So you don't want to then launch into, oh, that's rubbish. Like don't get an injection. It's short-term thing. This is what you need to be doing. Like you want to um, yeah, have a combined and, and supportive approach with the specialist or whoever else it might be. So yeah, the, the education around it, I think is very important. Don't just dismiss it. it. It can be a very effective window of time for you to be able to get in and, and get started and, and get a little bit of, um, progress after they've had that injection and they are quite pain-free. So um, worth the consideration, but yeah, the education as you guys have touched on, super important. Uh, right, hey guys, what else are sort of common factors you'd consider look into um, when when dealing with someone with knee osteoarthritis? Uh, definitely looking towards like um, medication, pain relief. Um, you know, what are they, they taking to manage the pain? Uh, how often as well is there someone that's actually prescribed that a lot of the time um, sometimes you get people that have are taking x amount of painkillers because they heard their mother's friend's dog suggested it to them so they've just been taking it <laughs> which um we laugh but it yeah it's um can yeah can be the truth sometimes but yeah definitely looking at sort of that pain relief and and also like when do they take it do they take it in like first thing in the morning to get through the day or is it more like I use it after I've had a big day? Um, so that can all play a factor. Yeah. On top of, uh, so like, do they get any scans? Do they have any diagnosis outside of the arthritis? Um, what sort of physical activity and exercise they do already? Uh, have they seen any other allied health? What did allied health give them? Oh, well, what was we'll jump- good, what was bad? We'll jump into a couple of those in a in a sec, Joshy. But like before we we skip past the the medication side of things, um, do you guys consider within like it's kind of a jump over from um, nutrition, right? But people self medicate with uh, alcohol or cigarettes or things like that. Like, is that a conversation you're having around medication or, or I guess nutrition if it pops up there? Yeah, probably definitely uh, in the nutrition section if we're discussing then, um, especially if they're overweight, we'll definitely have some conversation around nutrition. Yeah. Um, right. And uh, yeah, alcohol is a big factor. And I know a lot of people um, do use alcohol as a, a pain reliever. Um, and sometimes it, you know, it starts off with like one or two glasses of wine and, and goes to a bottle a night type thing, which does also impact on long-term pain response as well so yeah that sort of stuff does need to be addressed yeah this is this is where this topic starts to get pretty full on right because you you can look at it as okay cool like it's knee osteoarthritis like it's pretty straightforward but then you get into something like medication and find out that person is is just self-medicating with alcohol like 
a lot excessive every night. And then you go to have that conversation and they're like, look, mate, I work hard, done it all my life. And then I come home and I have, you know, five, six, seven beers a night and it just takes the edge off. I feel good. I can sleep and I do it all again the next day. And so already the, the walls are up, like they're, they're not, um, not ready to hear any conversation about changing that or even modifying a little bit, but you know that it's not also, it's also not helping them overall, let alone with their knees. So it's a, uh, it's a tricky conversation to have, isn't it? It's the old story. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Yeah. And I, th- I think perhaps in your, in your first, um, certainly first one or two conversations, it's maybe picking your battles. So you, I don't think you can walk past it, right? Like you can't just sort of, well, I won't, I won't bring it up because I think this person doesn't want to hear it. But as we've touched on before, maybe it's like, let's find something we can get some immediate work on. Like if it's um, what Mark touched on at the top, like if it's a few mobility exercises and working through a range of motion to find some relief in the knee, perhaps we start there, but I think certainly we need to come back and, and be talking about it. And if need be, I think that, if the person's open to it is a conversation about referring out to a, a more specialist person to talk about um, if it's mental health there or yeah, the dependency on that um, yeah, substance, whatever it might be. Yeah. I guess that um, coming back to that rapport building and, and uh, definitely trying to sort of provide education mm. um, little bits at a time. So, you know, yeah. um, I guess, yeah, as you build that rapport and, and the client feels comfortable and you're starting to make some good progress, made some, had some wins. Um, that's when I, I'd start to challenge a few of their beliefs. Um, yeah. yeah. In this case, especially around alcohol. Yeah. I used the uh, analogy today, right? We've got, uh, for those playing along at home, one or two students with us at the moment and having a few chats with them. And if anyone's played football, you hear the commentary, like you've got to earn the right to play football. So you've got to sort of do the hard yards first and you can play a little bit of footy. Josh, is that? You like that? Is that good? 100%. Yeah, so yeah. You win a, hey, you win a premiership. Hey, Josh. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Me, me arm says it all. <laughs> Stop it. Anyway, so with that with that analogy in mind, if you were to take that into seeing a client, like you need to build the rapport first. You need to develop a little bit of trust and relationship before you have the right then to go and start talking to them about, well, you've got to change this about your lifestyle. You need to do this. So you should think about this. Um, yeah, in, in my sort of experience or just how I've I've felt, I don't think I would feel too comfortable um, doing that with someone I've, I've met 15 minutes ago. So would you boys have similar opinions on NSAIDs and, and opioids, Mark? Oh, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for asking, Josh. Um, yeah, so it'd be definitely a, a similar opinion once they um, start, I guess, if their pain is at the level that their specialist or doctor has prescribed, um, opioid level pain medication um yeah definitely need to know um what level of it like how much are they taking and what impact that has as well as like side effects and that that type of stuff so um it's definitely a consideration yeah i want to know i love that i want to know what they're what they're using how frequently is it being governed by their doctor or are they just like buying bulk panadol and smashing that like i want to know if there's a a plan to it uh, I don't mind if they're using like something to help with their their pain levels, but I just want to make sure it's controlled and, and being governed by their doctor. I'm sort of happy to to let them control that or oversee that as long as it's uh, it's all up on the table. But um, a new one that's sort of well, I guess it's kind of new, right? Like you're hearing more about it, but it's been around for a little while. PRP injections. 
ever had a client come to you and say, what do you think about PRP injections? Yeah, definitely. I've had a few. Um, you've, you've had them yourself? Think, no, I haven't had them. Oh. But, no, I've had a few clients come to me and say they're considering a PRP injection. Um, I don't I think the majority of them haven't gone through with it, but uh, like the discussion around that and, and what it is and, and its impact. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm probably not the up to all the latest research on it. Um, however, I think I'm probably in the same boat as like the um, cortisone injections and things like that. If it's going to provide them with some relief or help their recovery, then sure, great, go ahead for it. Um, I guess in the provision that, you know, they're still following through with their program. Yeah, I think with, with any of these sort of things, it's it's not really our job to persuade them either way, but more give them all the information to let them make their own decisions regarding all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I think that's sensible, right? Like it's it is starting to get out of our our wheelhouse talking about these things. But if you're up with the information, like the current research, you can sort of just discuss that with them so that they are in a position to make the best possible decision. But yeah, also encouraging them to have that discussion with the relevant specialist that is suggesting it, if if that is the case. Um, if it's someone that that hasn't had this suggested to them, it's just, oh, I, I read this or my mate said, get some PRP injections. I'd be probably more looking to, yes, that's a thing and there is some research, although it's, it's still sort of developing. Um, we could look at that down the track if this less invasive approach is not working, but I feel like we can have a lot of progress here first. So I think I'll try to go around it that way for that type of person, but um, certainly an area that's, I guess, developing and promising, but it's also not one to go to straight away in my opinion. Yeah, definitely agree. I wouldn't be heading there as a first option. Mm. Yeah. And I think another one we, we usually talk about is supplements like glucosamine and things like that. And I guess this, that's a similar topic. Like um, a dietitian or nutritionist is probably someone that will talk about that in more depth and we can sort of look, it's, it's not going to hurt. But at the same time, is it going to rapidly change your fortunes here? Like probably not. So I think that's generally the message there. Um, it, it comes into that whole nutrition chat, right? So um, I think the main one that that we would spend a lot of time focusing on sort of the history of and their goals for would be exercise or what are the physical demands of them um, previously now moving forward. So I guess um, what's relevant for you guys here? Like what do you want to know around that whole topic when you've got someone sitting in your consult room with knee osteoarthritis? Uh, yeah, starting off with what what they'd done most recently before all of this started. So what were you doing prior to your knee pain? You know, was it some sort of high physical activity um, exercise, you know, a couple of times a week or was it nothing at all? Um, it's it's going to make a big difference as to what you sort of start with and where you want them to get back to. So someone who sort of like had a higher level of function prior I'm probably expecting them to get back a bit quicker at a higher level compared to someone who was a little bit lower and less active prior. Well, what do you, what's that sort of suggesting to you though? Like if someone has come to you in, let's say like last month, right? They were really high functioning, high levels of phys physical activity. And it's just recently in this last month, they've, they've got high levels of knee pain. They've got to see their GP and the GP says, oh, it looks like it's probably arthritis go and see an exercise physiologist and they come to you with that diagnosis like are you sort of in that instance more leaning towards or maybe you have a bit of an idea that perhaps it's not 
solely osteoarthritis. Like maybe there is arthritis in the knee, but it's been there for a while and it's it's not actually the thing that's causing you the discomfort. Maybe there's something else. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's what you pick up through your subjective questioning and then your your outcome measures later on. Mm. Um, picking the right ones could identify flags somewhere else. Um, and then all of a sudden, yeah, your knee osteoarthritis isn't the thing causing pain. You've totally focused on the wrong thing. All the the focus has shifted towards something else. Yeah, right. Like if it's a, a sudden onset thing, you yeah, you, it opens up more questions to you, right? So you can, well, what were you doing a month ago? Like what happened? Um, if yeah. suddenly, Is there any suddenly, one event? Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a, a traumatic incident, like, um, you know, you fell or twisted at the knee, something like that. So you might be considering things like meniscus tear or, you know, arc you had ACL for yourself, mate. But, um, but yeah, if it's just a sudden change in activity levels, well, perhaps there's a whole tissue adaptation going on there that's, you know, affecting how you're moving or it's just, yeah, restriction at the knee, which is causing you discomfort. So, yeah, it's an important question. Like, when did this all kick off? Like, what's happened? Yeah, 100%. Um, option for another rabbit hole here, bit of a moral one, I guess. If if you're suspecting something else and you go, let's say, oh, I don't know if this is arthritis, it might actually be a meniscus tear. Mm. Like the evidence and then the research is saying that, you know, going and getting that surgically repaired is not the best form of treatment. Do you go, do you try and just go, okay, we'll keep prescribing it and treat treat it as a meniscus tear and all, or arthritis? Um, or do you go, hey, send them back to the doctor, let's get this actually diagnosed, scans, everything before starting that? Or are you a lot more likely to just go, okay, try and provide some education around it and, and continue on with the um, treatment as is? All right, so you're, you're saying we've got the diagnosis is arthritis, you're doing testing and then thinking, I don't think it's arthritis. Yeah. Okay. So this is, um, yeah, Ryan and I had a chat about this on a podcast the other day. Um, yeah. What do you do if, if you don't have a diagnosis or maybe you think it's wrong? Um, I'm still going to do the test. Like in this instance here, like you're asking the questions and, and the, the, the subjective information you're getting is suggesting maybe it's not arthritis. So then I'm going to go and do the objective measures. Um, if you're, if I'm trained in how to do the, the, the objective tests, I can still run through an objective test. I can't stand there and go, no, it's definitely not arthritis. It's this, but I'm certainly going to put the information in front of the relevant doctor or specialist for their consideration. And then I would educate the client on what I found at the same time. So I wouldn't be making sweeping statements. Well, here's the test I've just done. And this means this, I would be saying, well, here's what we've done. Here's what we've found which may suggest that this is a thing. So I'm going to give that to your GP or your specialist and they might want to do further imaging or something like that to get a diagnosis. But that's probably what I'm I guess. Yeah. What would you do if you've noticed some say red flags that they're very fear avoidant of exercise or movement and pain. And then you feel like if you were to, um, yeah, like maybe you say a sweeping statement or or say something along those lines that you don't think it's arthritis. Mm. And you think, oh, maybe they might think it's potentially the end of the world or or my knee's never going to get better. Like it might just add to that um, psychological side of things. Um, how would you address that? Yeah, if you just said it and left it, I think definitely. But I think a lot of the times where like people's understanding of you know knee arthritis 
is pretty grim to begin with. So they think, oh, I've got arthritis. It's painful. It's not going to go away. You can't fix arthritis. It's just going to get worse and worse. Like if I do activity, it'll make my knee worse. And eventually I'll need a knee replacement. That's a common doom and gloom, but you know, it's a fairly common sort of perception of it. So I think if you were to say, well, you know, this test we've just done here is designed to look at it if there's meniscus tests and it's actually suggesting you know, there's something there. Um, you can give them the information about a meniscus tear and what we can do about it. And the, um, generally the prognosis for what, for what that is, like your recovery, it's actually a lot better than arthritis in some cases. So I'd be giving them the positives of that. Like, what does this actually mean? Um, rather than just, just dropping the information there and, and then just going, well, good luck to it, to you, like walking away from it. So, um, but all of that takes a little bit of tact and, and relationship with the client, open communication with them. Uh, it takes time too. So you need to factor that in. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'd had a, a client today that was similar like that. They've been told that it wasn't knee related or they had a, a, a tear in their hip cartilage and then they were just referred on because like they provide no education. Um, mm. Yeah, so yeah, it's just interesting to see the the thought process for, for some of those. Well, I suppose like, how much would your prescription change though for like if we're talking about this guy's knee and it's gone from like you've seen them like once this is the initial so your prescription would come in the next consult and it's a let's say it's a slight meniscus tear or it's knee osteoarthritis how much would it change yeah it's exactly it and it probably nothing like my prescription probably be the exact same for both um so in, certainly yeah. in that that early stage, right? In terms yeah, of definitely. you're looking to manage some symptoms and educate a little bit, encourage appropriate movement. Like you, you're not going to be doing miles different exercises. So I think you're quite okay to continue with them like for a little while to, um, to try and manage their symptoms with some appropriate exercise whilst you educate. And then if need be, uh, refer them to somebody else as well. So you're not just going to abandon them if that's what you're referring to had happened with one of your clients today. Yeah, yeah. It's um yeah, it's just interesting to see. And I guess that that psychological side of thing I think has a big impact as well. And then um, you know, do you add, I guess, the fuel to the fire of these doom and gloom thoughts? Or do you mm. just um, you know, try and yeah, just keep keep the consult moving and keep the um get them get them moving again, I guess. It's yeah, I think that you touched on it earlier. It's like it's a is it a moral chat, I suppose, where like if you've noticed it, if you've observed it and you and you've got evidence there to say, well, I think it's actually this, and then you don't say that at all. You just let the person go on with whatever it was that was uh, initially believed that may not be right. Like I don't find that morally correct either. So to not say anything to the person because you're worried it might make it worse. I don't think that's, I don't think that's right either. So I think it's incumbent on us to have skills as professionals to be able to communicate this, to educate this. Um, and yeah, certainly maybe we don't get it perfect, but I think we're trying to come from the right place and we'll, we'll try and keep getting it better every time we, we do this, but I think to walk past it is not right. So you need to find the right way with each individual client to have these conversations. Yeah, that's it. hundred percent in touch on there. Definitely an individual basis. Mm. Yeah. Right, Joshy, MVP. Talk to me. Talk to me about prescription thoughts for this type of person. So, 
Um, well, I know a prescription. Let's go with the assessment, right? So let's let's talk. What do you want to look at for this guy um, with knee? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually found something through a little bit of my own research um, under Osteoarthritis Research Society International. So it's got a bit of credit behind it. Sounds formal. <laughs> it's the recommended performance based test to assess physical function in people diagnosed with hip or knee OA. Right. Uh, within this battery of tests. They've got the 30-second chair stand, the 40-meter fast-paced walk, the stair climb test, a timed up-and-go, and a six-minute walk. Now, for each of those, they've got norms for ages and genders and just a, a good thing to sort of refer back to either for yourself or the client as to, to where they sort of sit at that moment in time and then to be able to refer back to as well. So although that they've lined up with certain baselines, it's always going to be an individual baseline to start with as well. So you always compare back to what they were like at the start, but then you've got that additional additional tool to sort of say like, hey, we've reached your age, gender norms for this test, which means this. Um, so that was what I'd start with. Outside of that, just what we've got in the clinic, I'd be using the strength diner to test out the quads and hammies, just to identify any differences between left and right. Um, and then just anything sort of functionally that they brought up that they might struggle with day to day or at work, um, try and like mimic some sort of tolerance test or functional test within that. But uh, depends on how long you got too. See, Mark, did you see how he lights up when he starts talking data and objective he's, measures? He loves it. That's why he's MVP. He's the greatest. Loves it. Sparkles. Almost but... math teacher. <laughs> I think that's, um, I mean, that's, we should all take comfort from that, right? Like some of those objective tests there, like the six minute walk tests or, um, yeah, the, the 40 meter walk, like it's pretty base level stuff. So you could pick one of those and, and rightly as Jeff said, like that's a, something you can compare back to. So are we making progress here? Reference back to that objective measure. Um, and then you were saying you would look at, uh, quads, hemis, to say calves as well. Didn't say calves, but you could look at calves as well. Quads and hammies would probably be the main two that I'd look at. Yeah. In what way? Like for strength or? Yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd be using the active force diner that we've got. It shows yeah. you a, a peak force. So mm -hmm. someone maximally knee extending and then knee flexing. Mm -hmm. um, and just identifying differences between your left and your right or your quads and your hammies. Um, so there are certain ratios that you sort of want to find between each of them. Um, that represents good strength ratios. Not to yep. say that that takes away the pain exactly, but uh, if we can hit those on the head, give us a, a fair chance to say that that did or did help the problem, did or did not help the problem, um, do we need to look somewhere else? Yeah, so I suppose you're looking for that correlation, right? So you're saying if someone's scoring poorly in that ratio of quad to hamstring strength, they're more likely to be experiencing knee pain or some sort of symptom along those lines. So if you can yeah, correct, yeah. yeah, so if you can correct that, we we give the knee a bit more chance, right? Yeah, re reducing risk of, of future injuries and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that, yeah, we've looked at before, right, is effectively strengthening above and below a joint can sort of more support that joint, take some of the pressure off it, I guess. So do you do a similar look at mobility or, or range of motion of quads and hemis? Sometimes it'll mainly just be a quick uh, uh, look over. So you mm -hmm. can do the straight leg raise for hemis, quads quads can be hard sometimes just to measure mobility wise it's probably more of an eyeball thing when they're running through movements the thomas test 
yeah. for hip flexion. Yeah, I love that. I like to have a look at that. But uh, it's an interesting one. Like I think sometimes it's um, it's, it's philosophy the term. Like I know Mark and I, we had a chat about this in, in one of our previous podcasts. Like, is it strength or mobility? And you were saying, well, if you if you sort of stuck for mobility, is that a sign mm-hmm. of weakness? But I guess in this example here, like it's important to know what we touched on before, as far as if this um, Bill is it Bill Mark? Is it Bill or William? Yeah, no, it's Bill. I think. Oh, okay. Used so, to go by William, but we'll give him a nickname, right. Bill. Thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs> If if he's had a sudden uh, change or increase in his physical activity levels, is he still experiencing a whole heap of stiffness in these muscles that are not used to it? And so that stiffness is feeding through to his knee and causing discomfort. And so you can say, well, well, that's weakness. His muscles haven't handled it. That change activity levels because they're weak or um, haven't got that built-in endurance yet. But now they're at the moment, they're really quite stiff and rigid and not willing to move properly. And so that's feeding stress to the knee. So I guess maybe I would look at yeah mobility first because if not moving efficiently through their ranges, that's going to supply tension to the knee before I can worry about strengthening it. So that's kind of where I would start. Yeah, hundred percent. I guess that's um, when it comes into your questioning and, ten- and testing as well. So you're right. If it's um, you know they've been doing walking upstairs and that's like that effort to to go up the stairs is causing the pain yeah, you do all your testing and like they still move around. Okay. It's just that activity. Then you're like, okay, you're probably struggling with the tolerance of the knee to handle that activity mm. where um, you're right. Like if it's for this case, if they get the pain and the muscles go into kind of like a little bit of a spasm and draws that tension, then yeah, you're going to have to try and loosen that through, through mobility. So um, yeah, you're looking for those, those tests and going through those battery tests that Josh was mentioning to, come to that conclusion yeah yeah i suppose whether if you're doing the strength testing as well you're going to see things like cramping and like little spasms and stuff pretty quickly as well within that so um have you ever had a client recommended for like a knee arthroscope at this point yeah plenty of times yeah plenty of times how did Um, that work out look either way like i i don't mind it so when they come to you and they say look i'm um, being told I need an arthroscope or, or a knee reconstruction, the first thing I sort of say is, look, regardless of whether you go for it or not, you've put yourself in the best spot by coming here today. Um, either you go and do your knee reconstruction and we've prehabbed you before it, we reduce your, your recovery time, you're back to function a lot quicker. If for some reason you don't need to go through that reconstruction, it's because we've improved your function and, and your quality of life and your pain. And that's why you didn't need it. So e- either way, we're we're winning, mm. as long as they've committed to the to the process of it. Yeah, I think most uh, quality surgeons, anyway, will will recommend that clients like this go through some sort of physical rehab or prehab, whatever you want to call it, before they get to a an intervention like that. Like it's hard to undo an arthroscope, right? So, yeah, I find most specialists will probably go that route. But yeah, as you've said, if you can show objective data that suggests this person is in a much better place now than a few weeks ago when they started and their symptoms, their lifestyle has already changed, then yeah, you're in a position to objectively say, well, you make the call, mate. Here's the information. Do you still think you want to go through this or not? Um, And so again, like if it's a moral thing or whatever, however you want to approach it, like you're you're giving them all the information whilst making their life better, whatever way they want to go. Yeah, 100% agree with both you. I find 
I guess tend to find that by the time, especially with arthritis, if they come to you with arthritis, they've probably either already had an arthroscope or they're probably heading towards a knee replacement now. So that's when um, I guess a knee replacement's probably a bit of a step up to just a standard arthroscope. So um, yeah, you're, you're probably past that point of, of an arthroscope. Um, but yeah, definitely would in some way encourage some sort of six to eight weeks exercise program prior to going through that. Yeah. So I think uh, we've definitely seen clients where they've, um, they've had, they've got that belief or they've you know, been told like you've got knee osteoarthritis and you're probably going to need a knee replacement. And that's sort of on what we've just said there. Like maybe, yeah, like maybe that is the case, but then you've also got those situations where they've been told, oh, I need a knee replacement, but I'm too young. And that's where you can, they, they start to get a bit sort of like, oh, what's the point? Like, I'm just going to be suffering for ages and um, providing all that education we've just suggested. And then, uh, Joshy, the objective measures where you can show change over time. Perhaps you can, perhaps they still need that knee replacement at a certain point of time, but you've given them an extra five or 10 years by improving their current situation. You know, like, oh, well, I, it's not perfect. I still have some discomfort, but I can certainly tolerate this now compared to, you know, a month ago, I absolutely couldn't tolerate it. So, you know, if you've got people that have been had surgery suggested to them in arthroscope or total knee replacement, like the, certainly the total knee replacement one, it's not necessarily wrong or, or not needed, but perhaps we can delay it or make their, their lot better in the meantime. Or perhaps they do six weeks or so of strengthening, eight weeks of this strengthening, working on their you know, hamstrings, quads, glutes, calves, whatever, the whole lot. And they get themselves a whole heap stronger, and then the the knee um, cartilage is still fairly damaged, and it's it's a case of we do need to do a total knee replacement. They're in so much of a better position to be able to tolerate such a surgery and then recover from it. So I think certainly providing that information to them is is really really important. Yeah, couldn't agree uh, more there, Chris. Um, what are your? I guess we've sort of gone through the testing, got all the subjective data, um, and now we're heading towards the uh, the programming. What is your, I guess, first thoughts on on exercise to be giving someone, um, in this case, Bill for his arthritis? Look, with with Bill in in let's just say he's in quite a fair bit of pain, and he struggles with, um, say, walking and stairs and and just little squat stuff like that because the the previous Allied Health gave it to him. I'm probably going to be starting a lot with a lot of like open chain exercise. It's through like a range of motion that isn't forceful through the knee. Um, so like I'm avoiding the leg press, I'm avoiding squats, lunges, stuff like that. I'm probably more starting bill on something like some straight leg raises, some uh, lateral hip abductions, clams, anything to sort of target his quads or hemis without actually putting that compressive force through the knee. Yeah, I agree with that, mate. Um, obviously, we've done our testing. So whatever that's showing up is obviously where I'm going to go towards. And then I, through our chats, I've got an idea of, um, any of his physical activity levels previously. So if he's already quite active, I know what level I can start at. Uh, if the person, Bill, has got any sort of sporting interest, maybe I try and um, factor that in. So it sort of has a bit more of a, an interest for him. But without any of that sort of information for now, I'm similar to, to Josh. I, I like to keep it very achievable. It's not a time inconvenience to do. He can do it anywhere with very little equipment and it's not going to stir up his symptoms too much. So I'm looking 
I'd, I'd definitely be doing a ball release at some um, of some form here. If it's, if it's one area or, or a couple of areas, assuming because it's pretty common that the person's got a fair bit of restriction at this point in time, I do that. Uh, oh, I suppose you could say it's a little bit woo woo, like the evidence for it, I, I get it is, is not rock solid, but anecdotally, I suppose people feel better. They feel looser. They feel they can move more. They're more receptive to being able to move more. So they'll give them a couple of minutes of doing that. And then I'll say, okay, let's now move it through a range of motion. And if we can add some load to it, and that's where the money's made. That's where you start to feel better long-term. And I educate that. I tell them, um, I don't lie to them about the foam rolling or anything like that. It's um, moving the the tissues through range under a bit of load is, is what's going to change it. So I'd be doing, maybe it's a banded hamstring curl, um, straight leg raise, calf raise, three very easy ones targeting tissues around the knee. And you can add variations to that as you wish. Yep. Yeah, I love them. Um, all fairly straightforward. And I guess for someone um, of Bill's age as well, they're probably fairly straightforward exercises that don't require a lot of equipment and is quite easy for them to do at home as well. So, mm. um, yeah. And then, as you said, like targeting quads, hemis, calves, glutes is my go-to mm. um, as well. So, um, yeah, I'd probably even consider... Um, depending how, how far along or progress their arthritis is, he's looking at some hydrotherapy exercises too. Yeah. Um, very simple. If, if they have access to a pool, great. Um, or even ocean baths, things like that, or even just walking through. Um, I know a, a recent client of mine, he, he went to, um, uh, went up to a lovely place called Hadhead, head. And then there's a nice Creek there that has a big current that runs through it. And he was just walking against the current to help with his knee pain. Um, and he found that very beneficial too. Do you, let's get really sidetracked for a second. What's the little town? I think it's like, it's just north of Hadhead. I can't remember it. Um, anyway. Oh, uh, Southwest Rocks. Could be, yeah. It could be Southwest Rocks. But anyway, world's greatest pies, hey. Like, <laughs> went up there for the trip. Phenomenal. Tip for listeners. Yeah, just a quick tip. But um, anyway, let's come back from that rabbit hole. What sort? Oh, just classic steak, obviously. Steak, nice. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Back into, back into that rabbit hole. Um, yeah, the other one we didn't touch on there, like if you've got the, got access to it, is a bike, like stationary bike. Um, you can re- yeah, really control yeah. the load uh, moving through a range there. Low impact, awesome. Yeah, aerobic activity help with the weight loss too. Yeah. You can do it like, for long periods of time. Massive, like that. They can do it in their conditioning, read a book or something while they're doing it. It's, yeah, really, really. Those little that. pedals from Kmart, they're good too. Yeah, they're... Well, I suppose it depends how bad they're going, right? Like if the knee's really lit up and they can't get their through a full range on like a full bike, you get those little pedals. It's a, I think it's a less range. Um, so yeah, like that's depending yeah. on levels. It's oh, a, I was thinking more just cost effective. <laughs> you don't have a bike. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to go out to Hadley Cycles and buy yourself a couple of thousand dollar pushy. Get stuck in it. <laughs> All right, boys, where do you reckon we're up to there? Have we covered off most of the things you think? we need to address for knee osteoarthritis. Yeah, I say we've uh, covered most um, most areas as well. And, and um, I'd probably also be touching a little bit on the psychological side of things too. Um, always like to address their thoughts and beliefs around their pain and, and what they as well think will help them get better. Um, and then I think we've gone over it before, like trying to educate them on... Um, you know what the research says and the right stuff but doing it with uh, once you build that rapport so that's probably potentially second third 
session once you've built that up. Yeah, I think um, if it's not clear, I think that's going to be a thread in virtually every consult you have is make sure you're building rapport and getting the client's opinions and making sure that what they think and believe is like you're on the same page. These are aligned, I guess. So hard to have any success without that. So really common thread there. Alrighty, should we go through and unpack a little bit about Bill and some of his um, backgrounds that Let's do it. was done on? Right, yeah. So Bill, male, age 65, he's a school teacher. Uh, he played sports when he was younger, uh, but he's got nil activity of late. He's got a BMI of 28, so it's almost obese. Uh, pain started approximately six months ago. He had nil change in activity uh, other than he'd been taking on some more stairs in his uh, workday role. Uh, he came to see us. He'd been to his GP, had been sent for scans. They came to the diagnosis. Uh, he's waiting for a specialist to review uh, and he's here to see us on a friend's recommendation. So I think... Uh, I think we covered pretty much all of those things, right? So I guess with his his pain duration, so approximately six months and no sort of sudden cause for it, you would probably, oh, he's had a scan there obviously as well. So the diagnosis of arthritis is probably pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah, I'd say pretty accurate with that diagnosis. Yeah. Yep, so. You hard yeah. to go against it. Yeah, like you're not looking for a fight, right? So unless there was something that's coming up that's sort of flagging totally different to to that diagnosis like play on we don't have to worry too much about those points we were talking about certainly his weight there is is an issue so we're, I think we're right to sort of be looking at that um what else and then yeah his gp and specialist i guess you want to know who they are so you can communicate with them effectively but yeah i think we covered all of those points pretty well found out those things all righty guys that'll do us for that one today but i think uh, if you've listened along to that and you found it enjoyable drop us a like uh, if there's anything we didn't cover or questions you've got out of that chat, um, let us know. Send us a send us a comment or a question. We'll try and answer that in, in future podcasts. But that'll do us today. Guys, thanks again for your time. Have a long one, but hopefully enjoyable. And uh, I'll see you again not too far into the future. Cheers. This is the EP Growth Podcast from Hunter Rehabilitation and Health. We're here to grow the exercise physiology profession through supporting the professional and personal growth of young EPs in the industry.